my son was two years old, he called that song Rehammer. He loved to sing that song. I want to sing Rehammer. Uh, welcome, it's great to be together. And uh, t- the title of the lesson today is Return. You can go ahead and be turning over to Luke 15. We're going to go there in a minute. I'm going to show a few scriptures on screen before we get there. But uh, return, you know, there's good kinds of returns and there's bad kinds of returns. Uh, in my family, we had a bad kind of return with Christmas. Uh, we decided that uh, we would get our daughter an uh, uh, Android tablet for Christmas. So we found something online. It looks like a great website. It looks legit. looks nice. Everything, we get it. And uh, the, 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 tit- the, the title on the, the box comes, and it's, it's spelled An- Android World. W-O-R-D or something like that. Like, like World was misspelled. So that gives you a little idea of how well this tablet works. You know, we got it out. We couldn't. This is Christmas Eve. Uh, the day before Christmas Eve, couldn't even put in like the information. You know, when you first start on something, couldn't even get past the very first thing. It wouldn't take. You know, you put one character and put a different character, and it, it was awful. So we took that back. We got a different one. We went to Toys R Us on Christmas Eve. We found one. Uh, got that. Uh, tried to set that up, and then we that one uh, a couple days. Stopped working a couple days after Christmas. So then uh, we get another one, and then uh, we, 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 she's using that one, it's going well, then it stopped working uh, a few days ago. And uh, so we were like, oh, you know, and so finally we were able to take that back. My wife talked him into taking that back, and we got something totally new. We got a Kindle Fire, it works great. But, uh, you know, the one return to, to, to China is like $60 just to ship it back. You know, so anyway, that's a bad kind of return. That's not the kind of return we're talking about today. We're talking about a good kind of return, like returning home. You know that feeling when you've been gone for a long time and you come home and just the smells and the sights? And uh, I know at Christmas time when I get together with my family, sometimes I just kind of sit there and just kind of reflect on all the memories that flood my mind, just returning. That's the kind of t- uh, return we're talking about. We've all experienced that, that kind of a homecoming feeling. That's what we're talking about today is, is a homecoming Kind of thing, but before we talk about returning, let's talk about the beginning. Let's talk about where we're from. If you look all the way back at the beginning in Genesis chapter two, uh, it says, "Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being." The word here, "formed," in the Hebrew, this was written in Hebrew. It means to to shape or to mold, like like someone would mold clay. It means to shape something from existing materials. So that's talking about our bodies. Our bodies are shaped from existing materials. Our bodies, we share in common our bodies a lot with the animal kingdom. You know, there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of things we share. And so that's where people can get, you know, even students can get, can get off track where, where people are saying we came from monkeys and we have the same DNA as the chimpanzee and all this kind of stuff and cavemen and, and Australopithecus and how do I process all this? Well, the Bible says that we were shaped from existing materials. Are you with me there? But in Genesis 1, 26, it says, Then the Lord God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. The, the Hebrew word there for created is to create ex nihilo, out of nothing. To create. To, only God can do this. So when it's talking about our soul, when it's talking about our being, what makes us human, God created that out of nothing. And so we were made like God in His likeness. What does that mean that we're in His likeness? Surely it doesn't mean our body, because God doesn't have a body, right? 
or at least in the way that we understand. It's talking about our soul. It's talking about our spirit. It says, in the image of God. So God created mankind in His own image, verse 27. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. We were created in the image of God. He made us with the ability to appreciate beauty and wisdom and art and music with the capability of great depth of emotion we've all experienced, like God has. He made us to value wisdom and morality, to contemplate our very existence, to ask deep questions. The Bible says somewhere else that He set eternity in our hearts, that we're eternal in nature. And most of all, God made us for a relationship. God made us relationship beings. We crave relationships. We were meant for love. We understand love. We value love. All our songs are about love. Right? And we were meant for communion with God. We were meant for a relationship with God. And so in the very beginning, you have the Garden of Eden. And the man is is working. Adam is just the Hebrew word for man. It just man and the woman that God created. They were working there in the garden and God gave them things to do and they walked with God and God was there in the garden and there was everything was good, but then we all know what happened, right? Sin came in. And sin broke up that relationship with God. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And it says there was an a, 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 a angel there so they could never come back. And then life got a lot different and got, life got a lot harder. And we're all like that. We, we were made... Uh, like God, in the image of God in our soul, but we are also given free will. Like the angels. And like God. We, have free, we can make decisions. God didn't make us these autotons that just automatically do whatever He wants us, programs us to do. Like many creatures of instinct. He gave us free will. And so we have the capacity to sin. We have the capacity to miss the mark. Which is what sin means. We have the capacity to choose to separate ourselves from God. And you know what? We all do that. Don't we? And and sin is not without consequence. It causes harm. It causes destruction. It causes a separation from God. It causes a hardening of our hearts. It causes a, a cynicism of outlook. And so we end up separated from God. Has anybody experienced that here? Isaiah 59, 2. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you. It's not that He doesn't love us. It's not even that He doesn't hear our prayers. But there's a separation from us and, and God. Uh, Christmas a year ago, we, we added a new member of our family, Rocky the dog. Those of, you, uh, those of you who know us, you know Rocky the dog. He, uh, he was featured in the cops video that we showed at our, our, for the family ministry. He was the canine unit. And uh, he also helped in serving the community last week with the, with the uh, senior center. But Rocky the dog and I have a good relationship. And he, he loves me, he's attached to me, and, and he, anywhere I go, he's got to be. And, you know, if I'm in one room and he's fast asleep, as asleep as can be in a dream, and I get up and move to another room, somehow he knows and he follows me to the other room. Anybody have a dog like that? So as I'm writing this lesson on Friday, we're working on the lesson, uh, he, you know, we're, I'm working and he's sitting right there and he goes out in the backyard for a minute and you know, presumably, presumably to do his business as he does from time to time, right? So we have a little backyard. So he comes back up from the backyard and there's this wave of smell that just enters the room. It's an incredible wave of smell. And what he had done, he's done this a couple times, is some neighborhood cat, who I, I hate these neighborhood cats, had put a bunch of poop in our backyard and, and Rocky the dog 
had decided to smear his whole body in the cat poop. I asked my wife if she thought it was appropriate to share this, and she said it was okay. So, so he comes into the room, and, and the whole room, I mean, I cannot even be in that room because of this intense smell. And so the dog had to go outside. And so, but he has to be with me. So I'm sitting there working on my lesson on the desk, like that's right outside this door, and he's just sitting right by the door. And there's this separation there. I wanted to be with him. He wanted to be with me, but he chose to smear himself in cat poop. And so I could not, I mean, even though I love him, I could not be with him. And that's, that's kind of how it is with God, that, that, that we choose to separate ourselves from God. Are you with me? And so the whole story of, of the Bible is God calling us back to Him. It's God reaching down. It's God striving to make it right. How can I be back in the Garden of Eden? You know, how can we be back in that relationship that we were created for? And that's really what heaven is all about. If you study it, it's, it's us being with God forever. It's paradise with God. It's being together once again. So, so God is calling us back. And you see this in the, in the messages of the, of the Old Testament prophets. Just a few examples. Jeremiah 24-7, it says, I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their hearts. Joel 2 says, Even now, declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. It says in Zechariah 1, Therefore tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says, Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord. Malachi 3, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And that's what we're going to talk about today. How are we to return? Okay, so there is this distance, there is this separation. How are we to return? And our theme this month has been return to me. Return to me. Uh, last week, Marco talked about repent. Today, I'm talking about return And then uh, next week, Steve will be talking about restored. So we're talking about, as I mentioned, return. And we're going to pick up where Marco left off last week. As Marco talked about last week, when Jesus comes on the scene, it's it's a culmination. It's a fulfillment. It's what all these prophets in the Old Testament were pointing to. That God Himself came down. God Himself became a man. He entered His creation. And He came to show us how we can return to Him. So in Matthew 4, it says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Isn't that powerful? And this is good news. If we've ever heard the word gospel, the word gospel means good news. It's incredible news. That God has come near. We've been kicked out of Eden because of our sin, but God has come near so that we can come back into a relationship with Him. This has implications for all of us because we all sin. And we all fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says. We all need to repent. We all need to be able to come back into that innocent 
connection with God. And so repentance is good news, and there's a connection between repentance and the kingdom of God. They're really related. A lot of times, in so many of Jesus' stories that he told, he was trying to explain what the kingdom of God was. He talks about repentance. And repentance, that word repentance, has kind of gotten a, a bad connotation in our modern kind of time. And, and the English word is from, it, it has the word penance. It comes from the word penance, which is it's not really a positive word. Penance means to inflict punishment upon yourself because of what you've done that's wrong. But the Bible was written in, the, in, in Hebrew, the Old Testament, and Greek, the New Testament was written in, in Greek. So the Greek word here in this passage is metanoia. It's a form of re- metanoia. The word where it says repent, it's metanoia. Say that with me. Metanoia. Metanoia. We've all heard of the word paranoia, right? Paranoia is... Para means kind of off to the side. Para means to the side. So paranoia, you're, you, the way you view everything is off to the side. You're off kilter. You're paranoid. Meta means after. Or it can mean change. Or it can mean uh, beyond. So meta is beyond, after change. It's a change. It's a transformation of noia, our mindset, our worldview. Does that make sense? So repentance means you see everything differently. Your whole world has changed now. So Jesus says metanoia, it's the verb of it, but metanoia because the kingdom of God has come near. See the whole world differently. Change your life. Change your mind. Change everything. So there's this connection between the kingdom and repentance. And Jesus is saying, think differently. And so so many of his stories talk about that. And he says things like this, Matthew 18.3, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So, again, there's this connection between changing our mindset and being able to enter the kingdom. Does that make sense? Another place, John 3, he, he tells this guy who's a, one of the leaders, one of the, the guys that's in charge of, of, of God's people, one of the ruling council, of the, the, the uh, uh, Pharisees. And he says, says to Nicodemus, he says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus doesn't get it. And Jesus is like, you're one of the teachers and you don't understand this? This is basic. There's a connection between starting over, repentance, new world change, uh, new worldview change, and the kingdom of God. And so repentance is good. It's a good thing. It, it, it's, it's good news. And, and I hope you've experienced that. And if you don't feel like you've ever experienced that in your life, well, we're glad that you're here. Because that's what we're all about, is helping people to see their lives transformed by Jesus. That's what we're all about, transforming lives in Christ. Because of, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. And I remember this, experiencing this myself. I was a senior in high school, or a junior in high school rather. And I remember feeling so trapped in my sin. So trapped by uh, caring what people thought about me, and wanting to be accepted. So trapped by my own impurity. So trapped by my own worldly thinking, my selfishness, my arrogance, my pride. And and I felt like I can't change. I do not have the power to change. I feel so stuck and so hopeless. And I was religious. I went to church and I I knew the scriptures. But but it was like one of the scriptures that says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. There was not power in my life. Until I really understood repentance and early understood this worldview change, and I changed, and everything changed in my life. 
You know, where before I was, I was wanting acceptance in, in my high school, instead I was willing to stand out. Instead of being consumed with what other people thought of me, I was willing to be a fool for Christ. And I lost a lot of friends, you know, as a, as a senior in high school. I used to kind of go to parties and I would hang with people and I, you know, but, but they started doing things and I couldn't stand with them in that. And so there was a lot of Fridays or a lot of Saturdays where I was alone because I was the only disciple in my high school. But, but, but I was standing strong for Jesus. And God, get, God filled me up in other ways and I developed other relationships and I developed some great friendships with campus students and, and different things like that. But it, there was a total change of the, in that part of my life. Whereas before, everything was for self. Now I learned to deny myself and to do everything for God and for other people. Whereas before, there was ingratitude and complaining. Instead, I became grateful and I became obedient. I became respectful to my parents. Before, there was so much impurity in thinking and behavior and then there became holiness and godliness. And it wasn't like I never sinned again, but there was a whole difference in terms of being controlled by sin and, and, and living for God. Are you with me? How do you repent? Marco talked about this last week. This is the slide he put on the screen. How do you repent? Believe and obey Jesus' words. Number one, dig around the roots. Number two, examine your passion and priorities. Number three, number four, act on how God really feels about you. He didn't get time to really cover that, so we're going to talk about that today. That's where we're going to start. Act on how God really feels about you, Luke 15. Go ahead and uh, be turning there, or you already probably did. And we're going to look at a few stories Jesus told about this idea of returning and repentance. Luke 15, verse 1, parable of the lost sheep, first one. Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus, but Pharisees and teachers of law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I found my lost sheep! I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. If you only walk away with one thing today... I'm going to say this a few times. God's heart yearns for my return. God's heart yearns for my return. God's heart yearns to see souls return. And here, you, this is a story Jesus told to try to get the idea of God's heart, that God wants the lost to come back to Him. And, and, and uh, remember, Jesus is telling this in, in response to the, these people who are saying, oh, He's eating with the Pharisees and tax collectors. He's eating with sinners. They didn't understand their own condition. You know, this story of there's 99 that don't need to repent, one that really does need to repent. I think everybody needs to repent. It's just the 99 don't see they need to repent, you know? And so there's this difference between being religious and being real. I mean, if we're really real, we all need continual repentance. Let's look at the next story. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and say, Rejoice with me! I found my lost coin! In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We get this glimpse into the spiritual realm that God and the angels rejoice over every soul that returns to Him. The whole kingdom is, is, is described as having this love for the lost. God's heart yearns for my return. 
And then we get to the next story. It's a little more in depth. The parable of the lost son. Verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who squandered, squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill a fattened calf for him. My son, the father says, you are always with me and everything I have is, is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You know, there's so much great stuff in here. But again, what is the context? It's Jesus talking to... People are criticizing him because he's spending time hanging out with sinners. And so he's telling these stories, trying to have people understand, number one, the kingdom of God, and number two, repentance, and how those work together. The kingdom belongs to those who are repenting, that that, that return, that change their worldview. And so he gives this story to show the heart of God. And and as we look at the Son, we'll look at the, the characters in this story uh, as we look at the son, you know, he was, he was after short-term gratification, wasn't he? He said, I want what I want, and I want it right now. Can anybody relate to that? Looking for things to fill us up short-term. There are other things that, that, that we look to. We look to relationships or pleasure or entertainment or, or money or, or, or success. or These other things to try to fill that spot that's meant to be filled by God. And it doesn't, it doesn't last. I'm sure he was having a great time for a little while. But sin has consequences. And he ends up just ruined. And so the hardship itself is what brought him to his senses. Would he have gone back if he had just kept living the high life? Probably not. But, but because of the hardship, we don't know how long he was in that situation, but 
the hardship brought him to his senses. He's, he's like, what am I doing? Here I am, a Jewish kid, feeding kids. Fe- feeding pigs, I mean. You know, a Jewish kid working for a pig farmer. The Jews weren't supposed to have anything to do with pigs, if you, if you don't know the background. And, and, and I'm so hungry that, you know, if you've ever seen what pigs eat, it's not, it's nasty. You know, he's wanting to eat this slop that the kids are, that the pigs are feeding on. And he can't, eat, no one will even let him do that. Like, no one will even let him eat along with the pigs. That's pretty bad. And he comes to his senses. And I think that's what God does sometimes is he allows hardship. He allows heartache. He allows uh, us to hit rock bottom so that we'll come to our senses. And, and I don't think God causes hardships. Usually it's our own sin that does. Or it's Satan. You know, the Bible says the thief, that Satan is the thief and he comes to kill and steal and destroy. Jesus comes so that we can have life. So God is, 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 wants to heal and wants to help. But he'll still use those hardships to cause in our heart a desire to return. And if you've got some hardship in your life right now, don't waste it. What is God trying to do there? Is God calling you back into a relationship with Him through that hardship? Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's in a relationship. Are you willing to humble out? I appreciate that He humbles out. He says, I'm going to go back and I'm not even going to claim rights as a son. I'm just going to say, can I just be a slave for you? Because even the slaves have it better than I have right now that work for my dad. Even the hired men have it better than me. So I, I just, I gotta humble out, I gotta go back, and he's kinda rehearsing what he's gonna say as he's on his way back. You ever done that? You have to have some kind of confrontation or some kind of, you know, over and over in your mind. And he gets back, and he doesn't even be able to get it out, what he was gonna say. Because, because the father steps in. But, but I appreciate that, that he, he is willing to get humble. He doesn't care what people think. He doesn't, he's not thinking about, oh, what's my brother going to say? He's not thinking about, oh, what, what are the hired men going to say? Or what? He's just like, I just know I hate this and I need help. I need to be back where it's good. I know where it's good and I've got to go back. And that's what we all, that's what God wants us to all get to is understanding He is the only one that can fill us. He is the only one that can bring us satisfaction. He is the only one that we can put our trust in. Because we try to put our trust in all these other things. But He is the only one. And so the Father, you see, He's waiting. He says, when He was a long way off, His Father saw Him. You know, that tells me He was waiting, He was watching. Who knows how often He would go and look in the distance for His Son to come back. He's watching, He's looking, He's desiring for Him to return. Uh... Any parents ever lost a child before for a time? It's the worst feeling ever. We had a, a staff meeting in a park one time when Jameson was about five or six years old. And um, he was playing with some other kids. They, they, they were being watched during the meeting. The meeting was over and we all came kind of hanging out. And then he and another friend, uh, one of the other guys on staff, his son, they were playing together. And so with that dad, I won't say which, which person it was, they were playing together, and then that dad said, it's time to go to his son. So he, he said to Jameson, there's your parents, go back. So, But somewhere in between him leaving that dad and getting to us, he was led astray by some nine, ten-year-olds. And they decided they wanted to go and show him this clubhouse that they had made that was down out, underneath a fence and, and down this thing by, by a, a canal and down the way, this 
And so they took him. And so, so we don't know how long they were gone, but, but suddenly we're looking around. Jameson is nowhere to be found. And my wife was pregnant with our daughter. So she's like, I, I don't know how pregnant, but she was like really pregnant. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, you know, just uncomfortable, sweaty pregnant, you know. <laughs> Beautiful though. Gorgeous. <laughs> Glowing. Glowing with Glowing with the light of God, shiny hair, you know, beautiful nails. So she's, so she's stumbling and she, she's, you know, she's crying and she's stumbling. Yeah, I still remember her tripping in this, like some hole in the ground, you know, in this park. And she's trying to find, she's like, you know, it's just horrible. And we're looking everywhere and we're angry and we're, we're upset. And, you know, uh, I appreciate uh, Marco, you know, Marco's asking around and, and, and Marco was interrogating different, different kids and finding out what the situation is. So he gets the down low and some other kids like lead him and then they go under this fence. And we looked everywhere in this park. We were looking through the surrounding streets. We can't find him. But we had no idea that this, this fence, you could pull it up and then climb under. So these other kids show Marco. So Marco pulls it up and climbs under and follows them and he runs and he, and he finds it. And, and Marco is like, i got to get him back quick. So he grabs, he grabs Jameson, throws him on his back, and just starts running. So from afar, then we see Marco coming, running with Jameson on his back, just flopping. So at first we're like, is he dead? You know, he found the body. But but they, you know, they finally he he came back, and I remember those emotions and and the gratitude for Marco Michelle. I mean, I, I mentioned it to Marco uh, a, a while, you know. A while later, he was like, oh, really? I don't even remember. Oh, yeah, okay. But to me, it's like, this is huge. And I remember Michelle, she interrogated the kids after they got back. That was really good, too. Like, what were you doing? Why did you do that? What, you know, it was awesome. But I think that, that's the heart of the Father. He just wants us to come back to Him. He's just desiring His Son to come home. And it, He doesn't care about all that, the ways He messed up. It's just, I just am so glad to have you back. That's God's heart. And there's so many people that are out there that Satan gets them fooled into not coming back because they think, oh, I'm just going to be judged. All those other people at church are so perfect. You know, they don't know, you know, they don't, they, they don't haven't been out there like I've been out there. God doesn't want me back. God, you know, that's what Satan does. He tries to give us this false view of God. Even in the Garden of Eden, at the very beginning, what does he say? Did God really say? Did God really say that? He doesn't want you to become like Him. He is trying to keep you down. He knows that if you eat this, then you'll be like Him, and He's trying to keep away from you what's good for you. That's the kind of stuff that Satan says to us to this very day, doesn't he? You're not going to find the guy you want in that church. You're not going to find the girl you want in that church. You're, you're, if you're a teen, you're missing out. You've got to go out there and experience it. Right, teens? You hear that from Satan? Where are the teens? Oh, there you are. You hear that? Oh, but I, I want to try it out a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm going to feel like I missed out if I, if I don't have sex, you know, with somebody or if I don't party or if I don't know what it's like to be drunk or if I don't get to use drugs a little bit. Or, you know, I want to try it and then I'll come back. That's what Satan tries to tell you. Like, God's trying to keep something from you? Those of you who were out there, don't you wish you never had gone? I mean, don't you wish you could have become a Christian at... at, at <laughs> that's another lesson, not two. You've got to get old enough to understand. 
But don't you wish that at 16 years old, at 18 years old, you never would have slept with somebody, that you could have, the first time you had sex with somebody, it was because you got, just got married. I mean, don't you wish that? Dogs are never trying. And he tries to, to give a false view of God, that the real God wants us to come back. His heart yearns for my return. Jesus is God who came near to walk with us. Jesus, Jesus is, is a rock that you can build your life on. That will never fail you. And Jesus is the very beginning of Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Logos. The, the Word of God. God's thinking. God's rationale. And we've seen it from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus is so balanced because He has truth in a life. I am a mess. I am pitiful. I am in a horrible situation. The, the condition of my, my father's hired man is way better than I'm at. Jesus brings but he also... And so because we know the grace is there, that is what allows us to return. Grace is the place to, is, is the place to face the real you. You can be open. You can be real. If you're coming to this fellowship, if you're new here, we, we try to be real with each other. And so we, we want to show you this more. We want to try to return. What specifically do I do? We're trying to continue in, in the same way as in the very first century when, when the very first Christians gathered. Here, here's what, this is what, what Peter told the people. He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. They were cut to the heart. Brothers, what shall we do? You know, they were in the same mindset as the son. What do I do? I, I realize I am I'm messed up. Metanoia. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the... And your children, for all whom the Lord says, this is a promise for everyone, and it continues 2,000 years later. That God came near and be baptized. And that's what we're trying to do in this community. We're trying to help people to follow this verse. And if you're visiting with us, we'd love to just get the Bible open and study with you what this is about. Let's say, let's all... We don't do that. There's a lot of churches that do that, but that's not what you see in the Scriptures. We help people to individually wrestle with the Scriptures, have their own personal repentance, and be able to, to have the opportunity to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And so, you know, if you're visiting today, and the person who, who, who brought you does the Bible, say, remember what the minister was Can we get together and read the Bible? Because that's where it really comes alive, is when you sit down and you open the Bible and talk about your life. You know, you look at this other brother. He kind of got... He, he was not where he needed to be either, was he? Happened to us for a while. We can forget where we came from. We can forget how good we have it. He wasn't very grateful. He's like, I've been slaving for you. Everything. I've been slaving for you and I don't get anything. That, that's how we can get after we've been around a while. Like feeling or feeling that. Guys, we all need to continually be in a state of repentance. I really believe that. For me, myself, personally, I've got when I was a junior in high school. But still, to this day, I, I, I exist in a state of repentance, a state of changing, a state of, of still coming, turning. We're, we're on a journey of returning to God until we get to heaven. That's what the kingdom is. It's, it's already here in some ways, but it's not yet in other ways. It's already here, but not yet. Does that make sense? It's kind of, it's kind of difficult. That's why Jesus had to tell these different stories to try to grasp it. That, that in some ways the kingdom is here, but in other ways it's not here yet. And so... We're on this journey until we get to heaven and we're all together. I continually work on my faithlessness. It comes up again and again. I've got to work on my pride. I've got to work on my lack of love, my anxiety. I feel 
controlled by anxiety sometimes. And I've got to capture those thoughts and I've got to claim those verses that say, where Jesus is casting for you. I claim that verse and go, okay, God, I'm casting my anxieties on you. I've got to wrestle with my sinful nature. Uh, Marco has talked about having an acronym. This is my acronym. You recognize that? Pete's Coffee? My acronym, it's P, P is for prayer life. I, I, I've got to take it deeper in my prayer life. I can tend to just rely on myself. E is for evangelism. I, I want to make sure I'm sharing my faith every day. And I want to bring with me to church. It's too, I, I want to have way more impact. Are you with me there? E is, the next E is for empowerment. I want to transfer to others, empower others to take on, on owner to do more things. And me do less things. You know what I'm saying? Empowering others. T is kind of similar. Training. I want to always be training. Always be teaching. Always be training others to do the, do things. And not just trying to test this for surrender. It was Pete. And then when Anthony preached a couple weeks ago on New Year's Day, I was like, oh, I'm prideful too, Anthony. You remember that, those of you who are here? I was like, I need to add an S. Add surrender. But it, but if you're if you're a member here, I encourage you to, to, to have something that you're working on. Have some, some targeted areas of repentance. And talk to someone about that. So, so just to be really clear on the specifics here, if you're if you're visiting, get together with someone and read the Bible, get an acronym, and talk to somebody about it. Okay? Those are in my lessons. I can kind of, be, you know, theoretical or something. So you know what you're supposed to do, right? And, and the good news for us as as uh, older Christians is First John one. It says. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So God is light and he can't be one lucky in me. But you know what, what we did after I was working and I kind of finished what I needed to? I took Rocky... And I, I took him in the bath and I took the shower and hosed him down. It was just like brown, 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 clean. And I just kept washing him until he was totally purified. And then we could be one with each other again, you know. And uh, that's how God is. It's like the blood of Jesus purifies us from sin. That's good news. That as Christians, we can feel just as forgiven and just as clean as the day we came out of the water of baptism. Because that, that's what we have. We have a continual fountain of grace. And so we can face the real us. We can uh, be real. We can continue to return to God. And it's so powerful if we make this return together. Amen? Uh, I'm going to close with a song uh, that I wrote a few years ago called The Prodigal. And this is a song uh, from the perspective of God in this story. And I hope it will, uh, will minister to you as we close out here. You know, God, His heart yearns for your return. And, uh, and I hope that you will return to Him. Uh, let's say I have a moment of silent prayer and then I'll sing the song.